0: Welcome to OAC Vancouver's podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We believe that Jesus is needed and relevant for people in Vancouver today. The message of God's love and promise of wholeness was destined to be experienced within a faith community that worships, studies scripture, and prays together. We warmly welcome you to journey with us towards greater connection, purpose, and peace. We'll be sharing our recorded services and conversations with health and wellness experts. Enjoy.
1: So we're in our second week of a series, Lyrics or Lamentations. And we're going to do a quick quiz before we start. So lyric or lamentation, and I want you to scream out um, uh, out here today. Be my mirror, my sword, and shield. Is this Proverbs or Coldplay? Coldplay, okay. So we have some Coldplay fans. Yes, it is Coldplay. Our next one is um, worthless people and guilty people go around with crooked talk. Uh, It says Proverbs in Rune 5. This may be something you could think that Adam Levine might be saying. So what is it, church? Okay, so yes, it is Proverbs. And for our last one, uh, love doesn't discriminate. Is this Hamilton or Job? <laughs> Thank you, Selene, um, for giving the answer to this. So if we can go to the, the next slide of the map, please. Uh, next slide. In October 2015, I was staying at a bread and, uh, bed and breakfast in Punta Arenas the most southern part of Chile, which is Patagonia. If you take a look at the map uh, below, it's pretty much the last point before you reach Antarctica. It was the last half of a trip to South America, and I decided to do something called the W hike from Torre de Pan National Park. It's about 70 kilometers and five days. Why it's called the W is you start from here, you kind of hike the shape, and then you finish. The most really challenging part of the hike is getting there. You would have to fly 14 hours to get to Lima, then catch a four-hour flight to Santiago, Chile, a three-hour flight to Punto Arenas, where you arrive at the red dot, a two-hour bus to base camp, and then a 30-minute ferry across the lake, and then you would start. Finally, when I arrived at base camp, one of the most remote places on Earth I was chilling outside my bed and breakfast. Over yonder was Antarctica and penguins, and I can see really beautiful mountains in the distance. Everything was so beautiful, such a remote place. However, when I was looking outside my bed and breakfast, my concentration was broken when I heard, wake me up before you (laughs) go-go. I'm like, I'm in the most remote place, possibly on Earth. And there's some guy outside blasting uh, full volume the song from Wham. If perhaps you're not old enough, I encourage you to go home and YouTube. It is one of the very popular songs in the 1980s. I'm like, I'm in the most remote place on Earth. And I get this song stuck in the 1980s for about two days during my hike. So, on the theme of lyrics and lamentations, what makes a song catchy? Um, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to is uh, Song Exploder from Rukesh Haraway. What he does is he interviews people uh, who make songs and breaks, um, breaks it down. He's interviewed tons of famous people from U2, Carly Rae, Jempson, Yo-Yo Ma. And as the podcast host, Talk to the artist about the song. Songs are usually broken down to lyrics, every musical track, how a track is remixed. As I listened to the breakdown in the podcast, it made sense that why a song is catchy is a synergistic elements of lyrics, vocals, background beats, instruments, jingles, drums, hi hats, all together. However, if you take a look at the lyrics of a song without the musical tracks, a little bit of the earworm appeal is lost. So let me read you a couple of lyrics to the song Wham. <clears throat> Wake me up before you go-go. Don't leave me hanging like a yo-yo. Wake me up before you go-go. If you just read these lyrics, you would think that maybe a third grader was writing something very bizarre. But when you listen to the song with the lyrics, the vocals, um, it's a super catchy song when everything is mixed all together. Now after this weird um, little musical incident, I started the hike um, where for the first three days, I, uh, I was solo at the time. So I befriended a couple from Australia and later a couple from Germany. The first three days of the hike were super gorgeous got to see God's raw and touch creation of mountains, lakes, glaciers, and fields. However, for the last three days, I was alone hiking by myself. And at some point in time, I eventually ran out of all podcasts and I was hiking around nature for hours. Have you ever had hours and hours of thoughts of yourself without distractions? What I mean without distractions is there's no Instagram DM, there's no social media, there's no news, because where I was at, there was no cell services. It was just me, this trail, and my thoughts. An interesting revelation is when you clear all your distractions, God's majesty in nature fills your mind. And for myself, just the love God's grace. This is all I could think about. You can change to the, oh yeah, you got it there. Um, so this is a photo after I finished a hike in the morning of a one of the mountains in Patagonia. And while I was looking around, I just thought, what an insanely beautiful and wonderful world God has created. So today, we're going to um, open our digital Bibles or physical Bibles to Psalms 145. 1 to 9, and in particular today, we're just going to focus on verses 4 to 9. Oh, 4 5. So I'll read. I will lift you up high, my God, the true King. I will bless your name forever and always. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and always. The Lord is great and so worthy of praise. God's greatness can't be grasped. One generation will praise your works to the next one, proclaiming your mighty acts. They will talk about the glorious splendor of your majesty. I will contemplate your wondrous works. They will speak power of the speak of the power of your awesome deeds. I will declare your great accomplishments. As much our ly- musical lyrics are catchy, scripture has an additional edge to it. What God has done is pulled a synergy of love, grace, transformation, the Holy Spirit, prophecy, law, onto a tidy package of scripture. Scripture is God's way of an earworm. Let us think about and meditate over scriptures for days on, days on end. Now, during the hike, it was easy to contemplate God's wondrous works. But you don't have to travel all the way to Patagonia to experience verse 5. For us in BC, we are blessed here. All you have to do is go outside, turn off your cell phone for 30 minutes. I mean, like, literally, just turn it off. not Do not disturb, because sometimes things will, still chime. And have this verse come alive. But verse 4, one generation will praise works to the next one. That requires a little bit more work and perhaps a little bit of homework and a little bit of time travel. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this nature and this grace and your love. Um, Just pray that you be with everyone here uh, and just pray that this story can just show the goodness of your love. We pray in his name, amen. Um, Next slide. Has anyone here ever bought a photo frame? In the photo frame, if you go to Michael's or Winner's, they often have stock images of people, right? So there's a photo frame. There might, in one frame, there might have a charming lady, um, a charming family. And what you do as a normal person is you remove the stock photo and you put your own photo as a memento, right? You put, in a photo frame, you put your own photos in there. I was born in Southern California, and growing up, I had this photo in the frame in my house. When my friends came over, they would always be confused and ask me, why haven't you removed the original photo from the frame? Given my family's Vietnamese, it's kind of a, a legitimate question they would ask. However, I explained, when my parents came over after the Vietnam War in 1975, this lady in the photo became my foster grandma. In 1975, the capital of Vietnam fell and the scene was not unlike what we have just seen in Afghanistan. It was completely chaotic. 1975. The picture here is one of the last American helicopters evacuating people in Vietnam. If you remember that one picture in Afghanistan, there was one airplane leaving and people were holding to the hull of the plane. It's not that different than what happened in 75. My grandma worked in Paradise Valley Hospital in San Diego and she knew people involved with the refugee program. She opened her house to help the Vietnamese refugees, in particular, first, my mom's nursing classmates. Later, my grandma knew of my mom and helped my family out in the early years of America. She never had kids, considered those she took care of after the war as her own kids. My grandma, Barrow Basin, meant a great deal to me as most of my parents' family were unable to leave after the war. So all my uncles aunts, un- uh, uncles, aunts' cousins, I have no first blood in North America. I do have fond memories of visiting my grandma. Um, grandma, and when I was 13, she's, uh, when I was 13, she was married to an African-American and um, her husband at the time asked me a question: "Do you know Jesus is black?" I was like, "What?" He brought out a book. I don't recall the name, um, but explained to me Jesus grew up in the Middle East, and he—it makes sense that he has a dark complexion, right? It's just one of those fond memories I have growing up. Right now, though, um, praise God, um, this is a pretty recent photo. She is alive today at 92. She su- she survived a scare with COVID, and I think she has a better memory than I do. As she recalled parts of the story that occurred 47 years ago, and I forgot what I ate last week. So after my parents came in '75, they were supported by my grandma. Um, I was born in Orange County, California. Um, when anybody asks, like, where's Orange County, I always say. 15 minutes from Disneyland, one hour from Loma Linda. Pretty standard answer. Weird random fact, growing up in Orange County, um, you would hear fireworks every day. So if I heard something sparking at 7 p.m. during the winter, uh, sparking during the winter, I know it's 7 p.m. If I heard something sparking, it was 9 p.m. in the summer. Now the area I grew up in was an area called Little Saigon because after the war, Uh, The Americans resettled the Vietnamese all across North America. But Orange County was, uh, and still is, the largest number of Vietnamese people outside of Vietnam. As I grew up, I went to a Vietnamese Adventist church. Um, But as a problem with many second generation kids is I lost my language pretty quickly. Our services were in Vietnamese, so I definitely did not follow the message at all. And I was spiritually kind of checking out because I just didn't understand what was being said. Fortunately, for second-generation kids like myself, they started English service, and um, a lot of us stuck around because second-generation kids have a weird problem where we can go to any English church, but a lot of us decided to stick around to still hold into our, our identity. It was a blessing for me because... I understood more of my identity as a Vietnamese person and I explored a lot through the lens of food um, at my church growing up. Now I want to fast forward a little bit to April 2015 and an ominous day was approaching for the Vietnamese community, April 30th, 2015. This date was the 40th year anniversary of the fall of Vietnam. See. This date has a lot of mixed feelings depending on what side you land on. In Vietnam, it's just a regular celebration, but for those who left the war, it brought back many painful memories. But it was an opening to ask my parents, like, what actually happened when my parents left Vietnam to America? I kind of knew the greatest hits, as everybody does, there in Vietnam, Orphel, came over, they got resettled, I was born, and that's that. But during this time, a lot of the older Vietnamese generation was more open to talk about their history. Um, can we go to the next slide, please? My mom and dad are from central Vietnam. Uh, my mom is from a town called Tham Ki, which is a small town. And my dad is from Da Nang, um, which is about an hour away. Next slide. On the top right here is a picture of my mom. Um, In 1970, my mom left Tamki and attended nursing school in Saigon run by the Adventists, which is now run in Ho Chi Minh City. In 1973 my mom graduated and worked at Saigon Adventist Hospital. So in order to understand this, it's important to understand a little bit of the Adventist history in Vietnam. History-wise, the United States government was running one of the biggest military hospitals in Saigon, but they actually asked the Adventist church to take it over at this time. Some super miraculous things happened in the hospital, as this was the first open heart surgery ever in Vietnam. The hospital was actually staffed by many volunteering physicians from Loma Linda um, Hospital at the time. Now, this is 1973. Um, Let's fast forward a little bit to 1975. And this is when things began getting very bad. Similar to what was happening in Afghanistan, the Americans knew the country was going to fall. So they started evacuating Americans and VIPs. One of the first of many tragedies was Operation Babylift. Then President U.S. Ford had ordered the evacuation of Vietnamese orphans because a lot of the Vietnamese, um, a lot of the American soldiers had kids um, with the the Vietnamese population, and it was one of the imperatives of the president. Now, inside this plane, all the orphans were on board, but when it took off, there was an explosion, and it crashed. So if you look into the history of this, Operation Baby Lift is one of the biggest tragedies of the evacuation um, of refugees out of Vietnam. Why this is relevant is that day, many of the victims of Operation Baby Lift actually were treated in Saigon Adventist Hospital. As days began to pass in April, things are getting worse and worse. And there were predictions that the communists would fully take over. My mom, working in the hospital April 20th, 1975, is when complete chaos engulfed the department. Now, what you need to know is the war was around Vietnam, but wasn't in all the cities. The memory my mom had in particular is she was working in the emergency room and there was an eight-year-old child where a grenade had exploded near his head. The child passed away with, while my mom was treating him, and my mom grieved heavily with the family. At that moment, everybody knew the war had come. At the same time, the Adventist church began coordinating with the U.S. government to evacuate those associated with the Adventist hospital and the church. Because you, you have to see... The fear was, if the Vietnamese adventists were left behind, the communist government would think there were spies with the CIA and potentially jail them or execute them. During this time, um, a lot of charter flights began leaving. Again, very similar to Afghanistan. But one day in particular, there was one lady who chose not to take the flight out of the country. And then my mom took her place. And at that very moment, my mom left everything behind, her family, her possessions, and somebody gave her a US $20 bill um, for her to start over. As my mom started her new life in USA, many generous people, such as my foster grandma, willingly opened their doors to help the stream of refugees into the country you can go to the next slide, please. After I learned the full story of my parents' escape from Vietnam, I realized that all these stories from 1970 are a way of proclaiming God's mighty acts to the next generation, which is me. We know God is love. But for the first time, I come with the stunning realization. I am literally born because of the Holy Spirit setting seeds from the past generation. From the missionaries who came to Vietnam a long time ago, to the Adventist church agreeing to open a hospital in Saigon, to the lady who gave up her seat on the airplane, and my mom and dad managing to leave the country, to my foster grandma's generation who decided to help my parents, I realized that through the story, how miraculous and wonderful God's love is. Today, I do struggle a little bit about my identity. One of the questions I constantly get asked, and maybe you do, is, where are you from? I'm always flummoxed on this. I have no idea how to answer. Do I answer, American? I was born in America. Californian? Canadian? Vietnamese, Vietnamese, Canadian, American. But one thing I do know is I do not struggle about the realization that God is love, and he loves us so much, he set plans before we were even born. The story of the Vietnamese people is tragic and filled with horrors similar to what we see in the current day with Afghanistan and Ukraine. But riddled in history, are glimmers of the Holy Spirit and Jesus' transformational love working through generations and history. Even though the world is dark, keep an eye on the miracles of the intervention of God. I ask you today, as we reflect on Psalms 145, to contemplate on the wondrous works of God in verse 5. If I ask you to do a tougher thing today and look into Psalms 145.4, and time travel into your own history. My question to you today is, what is your story? Are there any gaps you need to fill? I encourage you to have a conversation with those in your life while they're around to paint a history of how you got here. Asking family and friends to share the past comes riddled with complexities as ancient rough memories may come up. With it though, you may hear about joy, heartache, and tragedy. I guarantee you will hear about God's love littered throughout family history. For those who perhaps do not have a long history to reflect on, maybe you are the group where the next generation will claim your mighty honesty.
0: Thank you for listening to OAC Vancouver's podcast. Learn more at oacvancouver.ca. If you're in Vancouver, join us for worship Saturdays at 11 a.m. at 5350 Bailey Street. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. God bless you and have a wonderful day.